passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Reach down deep. Take your time. Don't be nervous. And let it rip like you mean it. I know you want it because you believe in me. So go for it. Deep. Introducing the best in the world! Shane McMahon! Good job. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. SmackDown. Hello. Welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. I'm John Pollock. He's Wei Ting. And this is the show where we talk about SmackDown. News, we get some feedback mixed in there, and hopefully along the way, a couple of jokes. How are you, eh? I'm doing well. Not bad. How about you? Uh, I'm doing all right. I was very tired today. Today I was uh, trying to start it out okay, but as the day wore on, I just started to feel the effects of the last week. I think it all kind of caught up with me, and I won't lie, before SmackDown tonight, had they... Had I just gotten an email alert from the WWE stating, hey, we've thrown a lot at you guys over the last couple of days. We're taking the night off. I would have been okay with that. Yeah. But they do not do that. They continued on tonight. Oh, no. It's a long stretch um, of of um, activity, I would say, not just for the wrestlers or the people producing the shows, but for everybody really attached to this world, including um, journalists and YouTubers and, uh, you know, anybody who has to do any type of work related to, to this profession. So I think everybody can use a bit of a break coming up after tonight. You know what I think would be the most taxing would be if you were like a beat reporter covering a baseball team. I think that would be, you're talking about 162 games. I mean, yeah, imagine... Suck. Like, imagine you have a team that's just terrible, and you know they're, they're like 28 games out of the playoffs, and it's, or out of first place, and it's August 15th, and we've got another seven weeks of this season to go. I mean, what is getting you to that ballpark that day, other than, this is my job, what am I going to ask these players? Well, today we're 29 games out of first, uh, you went 0 for 4, um... What's going on? <laughs> I think that would be, I, I think that more so than any sport could be the most trying. Really? 
think so. Worse than like. I'm just saying for the sheer squash? length of it. I mean, well, I'm not. I'm not. I don't even know what the the reporter situation is like on in squash. Um, but I mean, the other t- other uh, leagues, it's just it's shorter. It's less games by a significant, significant amount. It's true. Like yeah. NFL, I mean, it's I- like every week is somewhat important in the in the NFL. I've always found it a, a little strange that baseball, you you have so many games in a season, whereas even other sports, you just don't. And but then, like I think they justify it, or at least I justify it in my mind by realizing that in baseball, you're really either just standing or sitting for most of the game, and therefore you can do it every day of your life if you wanted to. But I guess if you're a reporter, um, the amount of work is really the same. It, it is a real grind, and unlike other sports, I mean, there's so few. It's not like you're talking about. 16 teams that are going to qualify for the playoffs. So you have 16 markets that are going to be getting into the postseason. So that in and of itself is something to really galvanize your fan base. But then you have an additional probably six to eight teams that are in contention for that final spot. I'm very much in the camp of Major League Baseball expanding their playoff format than it is now. I mean, it used to be even worse where it would be four teams qualify. You remember when when the Toronto Blue Jays made it, it was... You played the ALCS, and then you got to the, the World Series. Yeah. That was it. Four yeah. teams out of the whole league get postseason play. At least they've so expanded you're, so you're, that. So you're suggesting some major sweeping changes to baseball to make it more exciting. Is that what you want? I think to make it more, more markets to be competitive. I mean, that's the thing. That's a big issue right now in baseball is these teams that it is more advantageous for us to not go after these big players because it's it's such a small amount that are going to make the postseason. At least if you open it up, there's going to be that that competitive incentive to to go for it, to make one of those playoff spots, and thus you get the into the postseason, which is you know found money for your ball club. I think to make baseball more exciting, how about they use two balls at once? You throw one pitch. Okay, if it you hit it, great. And you immediately throw another pitch. And then if you hit okay, that... I thought you meant like the it's like the pitchers would have to be ambidextrous and throw from both arms simultaneously. I think that would be that would be tough. That would be interesting. Can you throw two balls at once? And can you hit two balls at once? That's the more important uh, impressive feat, I would say. <laughs> yeah, would that be, would that be harder or easier? Think, you I have think, two targets, but I think I think there'd be a lot of wild balls in baseball, which would again. Yeah, I think it, a lot of people would get hurt this way. But imagine two balls in play at the same time. Oh, and if they crossed at the wrong side, I mean, you, yeah, someone would die. Well, this is I why you're not going to be in charge of any sports leagues at any time. This would be my suggestion. You know, how, yeah, in wrestling, you just add, you know, uh, multi-man matches. Uh, this would be like that. Yeah. One strike and you're out, like the real world. Well, or you can make it three balls at one time, and then you could strike somebody out. Hey, literally, or walk somebody very. Quickly I wasn't planning well. to talk about this, but did you hear about the one of the rules that the XFL is going to do? So in football, of course, you score your touchdown, and then, well, typically it's you get your your point conversion. You can either go for a field goal, or you can just do a a running or passing play for two extra points. Well, in the XFL, there's no kicking. But for the extra point, it is 
you can either go from the two-yard line and get one extra point. You could go to the five-yard line, and then you could get two extra points. Or you could go to the 10-yard line and get three extra points off your touchdown, which as someone that is not a football fan at all, I think that's kind of interesting because you're adding a, a strategic element to how much risk you're willing to take to uh, build upon your touchdown. I, I have no idea what any of that means, but it sounds pretty It just cool. means that after you get your touchdown, instead of going for a two-point conversion, you can go for a one-point, two-point, or three-point conversion. But with each added point you're going for, you are taking more risk because you're further out. Well, that's great. Uh, why not? Sure. Is that... Uh, um, They're just trying to be different. Uh, yeah. Well, they could add two balls at once. <laughs> that, is, that is your go-to, isn't it? <laughs> make more sense. Oh, I would love to I don't see even you, know what uh, a conversion is. What are they converting here? You know what a conversion is. You you've watched a football game in your life, haven't you? Yes, I have. I think so. Maybe an XFL yeah. game. Well, I, I don't February twenty twenty. Watching, everyone. but I did watch. Uh, how are you today? Much better than Monday. Uh, no, I'm still a little groggy, to be honest. I think um, like I'm still just somewhat um recuperating. So. I've been trying to avoid getting sick is what I've been doing. Like, I feel like little coughs come on, but then, like, they would go away. So I'm hoping I can keep it at bay. See, I'm I'm ready. I made a deal with my body last week. I said, because I felt I was getting sick, and I just told myself, please get me sick. Just get me through this show on Sunday. That's all I request. I, I didn't even care about WrestleMania. Like, get us through our live show, and I will... I will vomit and feel awful at WrestleMania. That's fine. But just just get me to 2.30 p.m. on Sunday. And so far, so good. And I, I'm starting to detect, usually after I go on a trip, especially where there's very little sleep involved, I I just fall apart afterwards. Not there yet, but I'm, I'm open to it. If it happens, I'm not going to get upset because I made this deal and I got through the craziness. So if I get sick, I get sick. Well, um... Uh, you just got to embrace it, way, and then it's uh, you're not you're not disappointed. No, I mean sometimes it, sickness is just your body telling you that you need to slow down. Well, exactly. I think you, you try to catch up on some sleep. Uh, maybe have some uh, what is it, neocitrin at bay. Just drink it anyway. There's no harm in drinking a lot of neocitrin, so maybe just do that. I'm just I'm just maybe there straight, is harm. Straight tea. I'm a I'm a big fan of. I'm not. I never got into neocitrin. It was kind of gross. The tea, tea I could drink all day. Well, that's good. What kind of tea? Uh, peppermint tea is my favorite. Also, green tea. Yeah, just the the standard. Cool, nice. I don't put anything in my tea. Just have it straight. Well, that's great. Awesome. Okay. Is there some wrestling news? So, that's it. Uh, I don't want to talk about wrestling anymore. Let's just talk about uh, sports uh, adjustments we can make. Um. Where shall we start? Uh, can we go over the schedule this week? Let's do it. All right. Well, uh, special programming note this week. It is Tuesday night. The double shot will be coming out Wednesday night this week because, well, we need we need a day. We need a day to uh, catch up on everything. Uh, we're going to chat about the, the Hall of Fame ceremony, which I have watched most of at this point. I'll finish that on Wednesday. 
Also Wednesday night, Viceland is premiering their Dark Side of the Ring series, and Episode 1 covers Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth, which I've gotten to see already. So I'll chat about that on Wednesday night. And Being the Elite has also released their latest uh, edition this past Monday, including the announcement of Fighter Festival. Yeah, the Fighter Festival. I, I nearly muted all of these guys today because everyone is posting those damn gold images like they all just sat down and watched <laughs> the that. fire festival documentary <laughs> over the weekend and they came up with this idea and i can't stand it i'm sure this thing is going to be a viral hit for them but when i saw all these damn things coming at once i just want to block all of these people oh i mute like 90 percent of people you are a heavy muter yes yeah i'm yeah. sure i've been muted by you at some point along no 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 no, um, no. I, well, I just, I just do it because, like, I, sometimes I just need breaks, right? But I'll unmute. Oh, I do, too. I do it all the time. I'm a heavy muter too. Yeah, but um, I mean, I, I, I think it's pretty, pretty clever. You know, I think it's really clever. Um, maybe, maybe a few weeks or a month, a month off from like the, Dude, the two and a half months. Yeah. It's, it's for June 29th. Right. No, I meant like from the the height of this fire fire festival oh, popularity. Right. Like I, right. I kind of feel like the the fire festival thing is kind of. You know, it's already kind of done with, but I, I still think it's it's quite clever. So, yeah, maybe we'll chat about that. So that's on Wednesday night. We'll have the double shot. And yeah. Thursday, we're back with the Cafe Hangout. We'll be live at 3 p.m. Eastern. That is available to watch live if you're a double-double ice cap or espresso member at postwrestlingcafe.com. This week, we're going to be joined by Richard Benno Benson from the British Wrestling Experience and the Grapple Spotlight podcast. He consumed a lot of WrestleMania week shows over the past week. So we're going to be chatting with him about some of the highs and lows of the past week, maybe a bit about the format of WrestleMania itself after it hit uh, seven and a half hours this particular year. And I also kind of want to know his perspective of following all of this while he's in the UK where the times are totally different. So um, I think even tougher. Can you imagine watching WrestleMania if it was five hours ahead of how we were watching it? Yeah, I believe for them it ended at five thirty in the yeah. morning. So, man, that's—I mean, that's—that's that's my normal schedule. So, actually, maybe I would like it. Oh, maybe you should go to the UK. Yeah, but I look forward to talking to Benno because there are so many things that you know you and I, while despite being there, that we didn't catch up on because we could only be in one place at one time. Whereas Benno seemed to be the type to—I to, believe he had like multiple screens on at, at once and was able to get a good grasp of everything. So I'm looking forward to going back throughout the week, uh, the months ahead and, or the weeks ahead. I mean, and, and going back to rewatch some of these shows. And uh, I think uh, Benno will be a great way to tell me what was worth watching and what wasn't. He ordered so many shows. He must have a small stake in fight TV. He should after this weekend. Also on Thursday, Braden and Davey are en route back to Toronto. So they will have a show talking about the Hangover edition of NXT TakeOver, featuring the matches that they tape prior to TakeOver New York on Friday. I'm almost more excited about just hearing stories from their trip <laughs> to New York. Yeah, they could just read the results at the end, and I, I just want to hear about their, their trip. Yeah. Calling WH Park at 4 in the morning to settle some bet. I warn those two, whatever you do, do not call me at 4 a.m. Ooh, yeah. I was worried I might get on the list. So they will be uh, back on Thursday. Friday, you could, you we will be pay, releasing FaceTime. No, I'm just going to put my, uh, I'll just turn my phone off completely. 
You know what I did yesterday? I had one of those mental lapses where I forgot the password on my iPad. I've had this iPad for like seven years. I've never changed the password on it. And I just stood here and I'm typing it in and I keep getting it wrong. And then my iPad locked on me. And you know where it's like, it's something you just continuously, you always just out of habit, you just do it without even thinking what the password is. I was locked out of my oh. iPad for 15 minutes at one point. I was like, what the hell is this password? And it was only four digits. It drove me insane. How did you fix it? Actually, I had to ask my wife. I'm like, what's my password on this thing? Because she's aware of everything. And she reminded me what it is. It's like, that's what it is. You ever have that happen to you? Like your PIN number or anything like that, where you just, you, it's almost a daily basis. You punch this thing in and then blank. That's where I realized I, my, my brain is turning on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sure I've had it happen with like PIN numbers and stuff. And I, sometimes you panic because you're like, your, your card's in there. You're paying for something and everybody's waiting in line and you forget the number. And, uh, I think I just like really dug deep and I had a bit of a Hail Mary. Like I only had a few tries, of course, before they completely lock you out. So I just like. Yeah, there's that added pressure now. You get it wrong. Like, no, you're not getting your your valuable no. card or access to, to this item back. We're I, taking it from you. I feel like they would call the cops on me. You know, I feel like I could go to jail if I don't hit this code right. It's like trying to like uh, defuse a bomb. So I just like close my eyes and I dig deep. I punch in my number. I'm in. I got my coffee. This is going to be a show where I feel we're going to go down uh, many different rabbit holes into different discussions. Which means Friday is the show for you. Post wrestling, live in New York. I guess this can be uh, taped from New York. Uh, it will be up for all of our patrons on Friday. If you missed our live Q&A show this past Sunday, fear not because the podcast version will be up on Friday. Yeah, not only that, I'm going to throw a video up there as well for all the patrons, no matter what tier Ooh. you are a part of, uh, just to wow. let everybody in, because this is a very special event for us. I want everybody to be able to see it. Um, so this week, you will be able to have access to all of that stuff. And as well, just a reminder, we still have some t-shirts left from our Live in New York uh, show. Only 50 of these were made, so get uh, the remainders that we did not sell uh, very quickly store.postwrestling.com. If the size you want is still there, that means it's still available. Awesome. And rounding out the week, uh, late Saturday, early Sunday, uh, I will have a show up after UFC 236 from Atlanta featuring Max Holloway, Dustin Poirier and Kelvin Gaslam against Israel Adesanya in the top two fights for a pair of interim titles. Phil chair talk will join me for that. So, uh, Sunday morning, that will be up uh, for your listening pleasure for the mixed martial arts listeners out there. Um, so let's dive into some news that is happening. Uh, one of the big raw numbers of the year, the night after Mania, it came in 2,000, or sorry, 2,000, maybe that'll be in a couple of years, 2,924,000 viewers on the USA Network. Uh, this was down 25% from last year that did 3.9 million viewers. Now, this year, they were going up against the finals of the uh, the NCAA basket- basketball tournament. However, they've also gone against that game in years past and never done anything uh, close to this number. So this was uh, certainly a uh, 25% drop. You can attribute some of that to the basketball game, but an extraordinary drop for um, whether you like the show or not. It's still one of the most anticipated rods of the year, and the show started off at 
about 3.2 million viewers and then dropped progressively throughout the show, finishing with uh, 2,646,000 viewers in the third hour. And clearly the title versus title idea, not enough that it was going to maintain the audience for three hours or be much of a hook for people. And whether that was just not being interested in the idea or believing that you weren't going to be getting a clean finish anyway. Um, wait, what do you have any thoughts on why such a gigantic drop this year? Um, whether it be feel- stars that weren't on the show or just an overall, like following the trend that we've seen raw in the lead up to WrestleMania this year. Well, well, yeah, I think, I think it's more so, um, you know, the concern is more so about the trend rather than the specific show. Cause I think it's just, this falls in line with everything. That's you know, all of Raw's ratings over the past, uh, several little while. Um, people just don't want to tune into raw anymore. Uh, I just really have a feeling it's more so the three hour, um, drag coming off of an eight hour show the night prior that, you know, I don't see why anybody would, would be that interested. They didn't announce anything special about this particular edition of Raw. You know, not that they usually need to, but, I mean, they could announce, like, what, aside from The Rock? I don't know what would get people to tune into the show, you know? Like, um, and I, I also feel like, you know, doing things like the bait and switch at the beginning by this point uh, is so overdone um and i i can't see somebody even if they did tune into this particular edition of raw after wrestlemania feeling confident that next year's will be better because i think they ju- they will just continue to you know trick their fan bases this way and and i think you're starting to see the result it's too long of a show it's not fun uh for the most part and it's somewhat dishonest so why would i tune back in yeah, I, I look at this one as like a real concerning one because I could buy a lot of those arguments for most weeks of Raw, but this is the one where you typically get a lot of surprises, you get call-ups. If anything, this is the Raw that they've kind of built up this reputation of doing a lot of interesting stuff on the show, and this year it felt like people didn't really care that that much. And what what are you expecting for next week? Are you thinking that the Superstar shakeup is going to... Because that's typically a really big number as well, both weeks, uh, or both nights of Raw and SmackDown. Do you expect uh, drops from last year for for that show as well? Because this is a year where, man, we'll get into it tonight. I don't know how special it feels if next week Drew McIntyre is drafted to SmackDown. Like, it just, everyone's going back and forth. I don't know how special people are going to treat roster moves when it just feels like there's been... There's been no kind of line in the sand at all for months leading up to WrestleMania of who's Raw, who's SmackDown. Why am I going to be uh, emotionally connected to someone moving nights of the week? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, personally, I have a bit more interest in in next week's show than even the Raw or SmackDowns after WrestleMania, just because I think they're as, as, you know, as little as they respect the, the brand split sometimes, I think for the most part, they still you know, keep the, the, the identities pretty separate. I feel like in the lead up to WrestleMania, I can excuse a lot more kind of, you know, mixing of the, of the roster because of various storylines. And certainly on tonight's episode, like that was, this was just them like basically saying, ah, they're moving anyway. So let's just forget about it for, for a couple of weeks. Um, I feel like next week you will get a number of debuts, uh, if you know, or at the very least maybe returns 
Um, and I think you will start to see the beginnings of new identities for both shows. So to me, next week's episodes will have more significance than this one. But if I'm a casual fan, I wonder, I wonder how I look at something like a brand split or brand shakeup with, with any type of significance at all, at all. Or if like, if I'm a lapsed fan, do I even really care, uh, about something like this? You know, I, it's hard. I think it's kind of hard to ask me that question because I'm somebody who tunes in every single week, but I'm kind of curious, what are the hooks for people? If, if, you know, other than celebrity, other than, you know, maybe trying to think like uh, big matches that they can announce before beforehand is like the promise of a lottery, uh, and, and the changing of brands important to a casual fan. Let me know. What we're going to find out next week, what kind of, um, interest is spiked. Um, I would say like, uh, coming off this week, you would certainly hope that they could crack 3 million viewers for next week, but I thought tonight's would as well. Um, there's something going up with, uh, Regarding Sasha Banks, she had put up this statement after WrestleMania that was uh, very cryptic in nature. And then on Tuesday, she uh, pulled herself from an appearance on the Wendy Williams show on the talk show and just put up a statement citing, uh, due to personal reasons, I had to pull out of my appearance today on Wendy Williams. Sorry to everyone who was looking forward to it. Hopefully the opportunity will be there again. Hashtag if you only knew. And uh, page six then had a report that uh, the producers on the show were very upset over this because this was a last minute cancellation and they didn't even have time to book a replacement guest. So Wendy Williams just had to cover the time. Um, so, yeah, well, I, I don't know anything further regarding uh, what is going on with her other than what she's stated a uh, personal reason. But um, mm. I guess that gives some further uh clarification as to why she was not on raw in bailey's corner that obviously something's going on so not really much to to say about it other than that's what happened right yeah you know if there are personal reasons that i think we should respect that and not really try to pry until she's ready to announce it um at the same time i guess you would figure she might have told the producers of the show and for if you know i'm assuming she either didn't or maybe the producers of the show were not um, satisfied with 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 whatever response. If that the report is true that they're unhappy, um, I I can't really comment in, until we really know more. Mm-hmm. Um, the Los Angeles Times is reporting that the front runner for WrestleMania in 2021 is the new stadium that they are currently uh, is under construction. The Los Angeles Stadium that will uh, be the new home of the. Uh, the LA Rams and is going to host a Super Bowl in 2022. So, yeah, Los Angeles for WrestleMania. Does that uh, meet your approval yeah. way? Well, any so I mean, go. any city would would kind of meet your approval. But you know, it's a it's a destination they've they visited. Oh, what actually? When was the last time WrestleMania was in LA? 2005, I think. The Hollywood one. Th- it was the one. It was at the Staples Center. Because they haven't had a oh. venue really that they've wanted that you know typically they go to the newer stadiums and in L.A. there hasn't been one until this this new one so they haven't gone there uh, yeah if I think so so that would be you know sixteen years between WrestleManias in L.A. Okay well I mean it seems like they're due you know with the with the amount with the frequency that they're revisiting cities at this point sure yeah not? I was I was reading about this stadium it sounds like the the top of it, it's like a clear, like roof 
on top of it, if I was reading this correctly, I was kind of just skimming through this, but it obviously sounds pretty uh, state-of-the-art. A glass roof. Wow. That's kind of what it sounds like. Someone correct me if I'm uh, mischaracterizing this uh, this new stadium. But it's set to open uh, next year. So um, that's typically what WWE likes to do is beat the Super Bowl to a new stadium. And they would be able to get in there the year before the stadium hosts uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, what else do we have uh, going on here? Um, TJ Dillashaw has been suspended for two years by USADA. Uh, it's revealed that um, he tested positive for EPO back when he was uh, set to fight Henry Cejudo, went ahead with that fight, lost in 32 seconds, and he was suspended for one year by the New York State Athletic Commission and fined. And then today USADA ruled that uh, the substance that they found in his system and Unlike a lot of other drugs, uh, this is one that you have to inject into yourself, so you can't really claim tainted supplement on this one, and TJ is not fighting this ruling either. So he will be uh, ineligible to fight until January of 2021, right as they are uh, getting ready for the Royal Rumble to set up who's going to be going to potentially Los Angeles Stadium. Boy, that's a long time to be gone. Mm-hmm. This one, like, you know, just kind of like hearing about it from from outside of, of really like the MMA bubble seems to me like one that maybe hasn't received as much press as, you know, let's say when John Jones fails a substance uh, um, um, test. And I, mm-hmm. you know, like I like to maybe ask you why you think why that might be, because it feels like um, unlike John Jones, I, I suppose Dillashaw has not uh, opposed at all. And basically, is it like this is an admission that, hey, I cheated. Is it not? I mean, he's not contesting it, so I think that that's, you know, as much of an admission as you're going to get. He's, you know, this is a guy with uh, two years in his prime that are at stake, and he's not opting to fight it. So, I mean, that's as much of an admission as you're going to get uh, without blatantly coming out and, and stating as such. Um, I, I think the fact, you know, John Jones is certainly another level of star than TJ Dillashaw is, and this one is also... The fact that he's not contesting it or coming out with any kind of defense or speaking publicly in his own defense, I think that naturally it's going to get less attention. But it's, you know, it's a guy that was, man, when you go before this Henry Cejudo loss, I mean, this was a guy that was just on a incredible run, was looking at potentially being a champion in not just uh, two weight classes. He was talking about the idea of then moving up to, to featherweight on top of it. Like he just had these gigantic plans of, uh, you know, Dwayne Ludwig was talking about the idea of liking to see TJ go fight in a third weight class. And man, what a, what a complete 180 now that his career is on hold. He's going to be, um, you know, two years older the next time uh, he can how, fight. And how do you think this, this affects like, you know, his uh, legacy or his reputation amongst MMA fans and MMA circles? Is, do you, do you think that, Obviously, it hurts it, but to what extent? I think it's it's definitely going to be a black mark on his legacy, and the fact that uh, you know an old tweet surfaced from last week from last year of Cody Garbrandt making a joke on Twitter about TJ Dillashaw being on EPO, and you know the Jeez. fact that that joke's being made. I mean, that's clearly um, an accusation that now has a lot more merit when you have a failed test, not just one failed test. They actually went back. And he had done another test at the end of December, and apparently you have to have a special test done to detect EPO. So they applied it to this December test that had 
gone without any issue, and they found the presence of EPO in that December test as well. Now, why you're not always testing for EPO, that's a question for these drug testers, but they went back and found another test with this in it. So I would be curious how far back you would want to go and, and check to see if you could find that presence in, in other tests as well. But I to answer your question, yeah, I think it is going to be um, a, a black mark on his legacy. Um, though if he comes back and is able to put some wins together, I mean, drug tests are typically swept under the rug by fans that ultimately, I don't know how much they hold that against fighters. But, you know, for two years, this is going to be certainly TJ Dillashaw is going to be, you know, one of the most high profile fighters to get two years thrown at him. And what do you think he does in the meantime? Oh, that's, I don't know, coaching. Like, it's not a not an easy situation uh, to earn a living when, you know, two years are taken from you. And what, and what else you do in that time? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, not a, not a great series of uh, events for one TJ Dillashaw. Uh, and also a story coming out uh, late on Tuesday uh, from Ryan Satin at Pro Wrestling Sheet reporting that uh, backstage ring announcer Dasha Fuentes has been released, and she was reportedly in New York and New Jersey over the weekend for WrestleMania week, but no reason has been stated as to why she's been let go. But that's the latest on Dasha Fuentes, and we'll try and find out more details about that. So uh, for all the latest news, you can go on over to postwrestling.com, get yourself caught up on all of that as well. And I want to make mention of a, a, a study that uh, our friend Brandon Howard put together. Uh, after the John Oliver piece, everyone was talking about all the money that it would cost the company if they were to reclassify their talent from independent contractors to employees. So Brandon did the research to figure out if you were providing 401k plans, health insurance, retirement plans, what would that cost be? And he spoke to experts in the field and his report is up. I have a link to it in my update, but it's up at Fightful.com. Uh, he did a really great job, and he's going to be joining us later uh, in a couple of weeks on the Cafe Hangout uh, to chat more about this, because I, I think it's a really fascinating study that he was actually able to crunch the numbers and find out what that figure is. So uh, definitely go check that report out. So that takes us into SmackDown, their final night at the Barclays Center for WrestleMania week in Brooklyn, New York. And uh, something notable before SmackDown went on the air, they had a dark match involving Luke Harper against EC3, but the interesting component to this way was who EC3 was accompanied by to the ring, Drake Maverick. Oh, that's good. Well, yeah. yeah. So it, it was me. only a dark match, So and EC3 lost, by the way, so I don't know if they were just testing something out or if this could be a permanent fixture, but God knows EC3 needs something, and uh, Drake Maverick should be utilized more as a manager because I think he's great. I totally even forget that AOP... Um... Oh, that's right. Around. That's right. I totally yeah, forgot that too. Yeah, he yep. was their manager. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, I mean, obviously we've seen these two uh, work a lot together in the past. They have great chemistry. They're very good friends from what we can tell. Uh, so, God, um, good luck though. Because I'll, I'll say like I had a lot more faith in, in, in the whole package had had they had EC3 not had the current run he has had. So it it's almost like... It almost feels like he kind of already has like a bad stain on him from just, you know, being a nobody for the past four months. Um, I hope that they can recover somehow with something fresh. Um, We shall see, you know. I wonder how 
he would do in the current setting where I think like there's so much more demand and so much more importance put on being capable in ring. Uh, and I just, in the end, I'm not sure if he, he, if he's good enough, but then again, you know, there are, there are lesser, um, talented people that have had big pushes. And moments after, uh, pictures of this circulated, we got a tweet. What a fantastic, then in quotations, original idea. Those two are money together. Dixie Carter. Oh, she should be a part of the package. I think. Oh, she'd be great, actually. If she was EC3's manager, I actually think she'd be really great. Yeah. EC3 will take anything at this point. So uh, maybe if uh, she is, uh, she's still like, like she still has like this weird role within Impact where she'll promote their stuff on Twitter. And that seems to be about the extent of it. Mm. Um, so there you go. That was the dark match beforehand. If you're at the Barclays center, the show itself began with the new day. The ring was decorated with a rainbow of balloons, big Kofi chant. You deserve it. And then they brought up big East splits. So the crowd chanted one more time and the man did the splits again. And this led to the crowd chanting, Holy splits. <laughs> That's really clever. It really is impressive. And like, it's very they, impressive. They play it up like like it, it's like some a, a new skill he's just learned. And maybe it is. But man, like it uh they're playing this thing up like it's it's like um I don't know, somebody doing like a six thirty. Oh, it might it might get a bigger reaction than a six thirty at this point. Biggie says that their bond is special. They want to reshape culture and change history, and that's what Kofi did. They love him. Kofi says this was not supposed to happen. This was not in the script. He mentions his family being in the front row, including his wife, Chi-Chi, which led to a chant of Chi-Chi, and the New Day was just loving this. And then they were interrupted by the bar. And they said they saved Kofi from losing the title in his first title defense on Raw, and he was about to lose it because he didn't have Woods or Big E to help him against Seth Rollins. And they suggest a six-man tag. But the New Day says, you don't have a third person. But no, the bar made a friend on Raw. And they are going to team with Drew McIntyre tonight. Yeah. That's our main event. So we have the Swiss Superman, the Celtic Warrior, and the Scottish Psychopath taking on the Dreadlock Dynamo. And his two friends who have nicknames that I'm, I don't know. God, yeah, this was like them. a, a new league of nations. Pretty much. Yeah. So then we go to the announcers on camera and they're seated in the front row in a Montreal Expos hat. Ariel Helwani with the best seats in the house. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I saw Ariel's tweet. It seemed like, you know, he would, he received tickets for the SmackDown. I don't think he had any knowledge that they would be positioned um, where they were. No, <laughs> he did not. <laughs> like, he's probably thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to get a seat. Like, he may be a hard camera side. No one's really going to know that I'm there. My kids are going to have a good time. Uh, Front and center. There he is. And he played it up, too, throughout the evening. Oh, dude, he's pointing to the nose. He's, oh, like, God. holding his kids up. He was cheering when he was on. He, and he knew exactly when he was on camera, too. I know. Can you Absolutely. imagine if Moro was still calling the show, what that visual would have been? God, that would be amazing. You'd probably welcome him on, on set, part of the six-man booth. 
So then uh, the show started off with Alistair Black, Ricochet, and Ali in our first match against Shinsuke Nakamura, Rusev, and Andrade. And man, did this audience give Nakamura something. This was probably the highlight of his entire week. The crowd started humming his theme song before they moved on to an NXT, NXT chant. But it was almost like a, we have not forgotten about you, Shinsuke, kind of chant. Yeah, yeah. He, he kind of got the fun, Fandango treatment, I would say. You know, we still really love your music, and we still actually really like you, but it's been a while, and we just wanted to let you know. By the way, we uh, we ran, we were going down the the streets of New York and walked past a Chinsuke, Chinsuke on Sunday. Yeah, Chinsuke Nakamura. That's the person I was really like, uh, forget Chinsuke, I'd rather meet Chinsuke. Yeah, he was wearing like a hat to cover up the, the dew. Um, did not see him at the, the what is it, um tailgate parties uh, outside of WrestleMania, which to me was the highlight of my experience last year, uh, getting into the, like, lining up for WrestleMania was having Chinsuke just, like, do his thing in front of this audience who just marveled at, 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 at this incredible impression. Although, like, I don't know if he's updated his impression much. Like, is he wearing a full body suit now? No. I wonder if he's considering like a, just a new character altogether. Yeah. It's like, man, do I have mileage with this guy? That's the question. Yeah. Hey, Alistair Black Graves asks, was back this week or today. Oh, the entrance. Oh, I didn't even yeah. notice that. Okay, well, that's strange. Same do arena. Think, I do think yesterday was just a screw up. Could have been. Possible. Graves asks... What would Rusev and Lana, what would this do to their marriage if they got split in the superstar shakeup right as the camera's on Zelina Vega as she is opposing her husband in this match? Mm-hmm. That was not brought up. Graves says Ricochet could get sent to shotgun Saturday night. The baby faces take turns with Rusev in the corner. Uh, we go through a break. Ali is uh, in the midst of a Rusev bear hug before getting out. And then Black comes in with Andrade. They reference their history in NXT together. Ricochet then flips off the barricade onto Rusev and then gets hit with, uh, from behind by a Nakamura knee. And then Zelina Vega distracts her husband. Andrade attacks him. And then Ali comes in, hits a reverse Rana, and then hits a regular 450. No 054. And pins Andrade. I think that's totally fine that we don't get the 054 every single week. Same with like Ricochet not doing the 630 every single week now. Um, these guys have Make had their special. introductions. Yeah, they've had their introductions. I think they, they've impressed the audience enough. And now let's think about their futures a little bit, you know, so that they don't have to rely on these moves every single week. Just do a plain old 450 splash uh, as if that's like <laughs> so casual, you know. Um and so, yeah, that's, it was totally fine. I thought this was just a yeah, fun little, um, uh, what is it, uh, um, six-man? Six-man. Um, yeah, I like this. I thought it was a really yeah. fun, fast-paced match. Everyone kind of got their, their moment. They they also, the, the commercial setup featured the baby faces all doing the, uh, the seated pose together, coming off the ropes. So that was a cool little visual. Um, yeah, this was good. I liked it. It was cute. It was good for Ali to get a bit of spotlight to close the show because he really has been somewhat ne neglected uh, over the past several months. So, you know, this was this whole episode really was just kind of like a house show to like say, hey, like these guys all exist and uh, here's some <laughs> fun matches. And, uh, 
nothing really matters this week because next week everything's going to change anyway. So as Ali is celebrating, Randy Orton runs in for an RKO out of nowhere. I think this is our uh, this is Randy's new MO is just to work with all the flyers because of the ideas that they can come up with for RKO spots and Ali is next on the list. Oh, they're way better opponents for Randy, don't you think? Yeah. I think yeah. so too. Yeah. And then Kevin Owens runs in and man, I hope Steve was not watching this one because this was a pretty brutal stunner that he delivered to Rusev. I think it looks especially bad coming off of the RKO, which is, uh, of course, essentially the same move. But the RKO is just so much more spectacular because Randy is so good at doing those out of nowhere. Whereas when Owens does the stunner, it really just kind of comes across like a fan doing a Steve Austin impression. Well, I don't even mind him doing the stunner. This one, it was just like he didn't get all of Rusev. And it was like Rusev then had to just take a big bump to kind of make up for the fact that the timing was was off. And then... Owens just went up the ramp and left, and that was his entire involvement uh, over WrestleMania week. Yeah, so it, so it seems like we're still going to get babyface Kevin Owens. And uh, again, this was just a segment to tell everybody that, hey, remember all these guys? They're all going to be a part of the shakeup next week. And during one of the breaks, they announced that the dark match after 205 Live is going to make way regret that he came home early. Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. Oh, that's the dark match. Oh, yeah. That well, that's what they announced. Sorry, in that the, was in the arena. That, that was tonight. Yes. Oh, I thought I, you would. I thought they would save that for next week. Maybe they'll do it again next week, or maybe. Uh, yeah, I think Owens. Will, I think Owens and Zayn will have very big weeks next week, especially Owens. I think next week is kind of the the big reboot for Kevin Owens to get into something solid and have a great crowd. You know, this has been a probably a frustrating. Uh, month or so of you know just kind of being the odd man out so next week is a chance to rehab that mm-hmm. Kayla Braxton interviewed the Usos they congratulated Kofi and then tonight they're taking on the Hardys and Jimmy says they have to win this match because they've never beaten the Hardys and it will prove not only who the better brothers are but who the best team in WWE history is is that how you determine who are the better brothers? Like, I get the sense in the competition sense, but, I mean, it doesn't really w- measure your connection to your sibling, does it? What would, then? What kind of, like, a quiz? No, I would I would say maybe just, um, you know, like, how, how many times have you text messaged each other over the years on birthdays or um, spent time with one another? How many... Uh, I mean, if you're measuring, like, what what does a make uh, what does a great brother make? I don't know if just winning professional wrestling matches would necessarily be a sign of a strong relationship. Yeah, maybe I would say like, uh, you know, have you uh, exchanged clothes? Can you wear your brother's clothes? That's that would be one. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a promo. And I, think- I have breaking news here. Here's our, our quick recap of the dark match. Sammy and Owens have a back and forth six minute promo in the ring. The match starts. Owen hits the stunner, gets the win in five seconds. Seconds. After the match, gives him another stunner, leaves, goes up the ramp, comes back down, stuns him for a third time. <laughs> so if you stuck around for that dark match, I hope you enjoy promos because the match went five seconds. The last match of the weekend. Yeah, what a way to end it. Yeah. 
That, that is the cap uh, off of WrestleMania week. You know, I, I, I again, though, like I'm, I'm joking, but I think the Usos have really become excellent promos. Oh, they've been very good promos for a long time. Yes. Yeah. R-Truth and Carmella came out. Truth mentioned Becky being the new women's champion. Carmella brought up Kofi's title win. They had the largest dance break at WrestleMania. And Truth says that Carmella defeated Andre the Giant in the Royal Rumble match. And then she corrected him, brought up that it was one year ago she cashed in her Money in the Bank contract to win the women's title. And in the process, she also gained a friend this past year and couldn't have won this battle royal without Truth. And she sees big things in her future. And apparently Truth was going to see big things in his future too because then Samoa Joe walked down the ramp. And Truth attacks him, missed a scissors kick, and then Joe applied the coquina clutch, dumped him to the floor. Everyone started chanting for Joe. He he uh, cut a promo on destroying Rey Mysterio in under 60 seconds and said it may take less time for him to beat others in the locker room. Braun Strowman's music plays, and everyone's excited about this, this collision. And they brawl in the ring. Joe gets a boot up, goes for the coquina clutch, and... Strowman cannot get, uh, eventually he does get out and he goes for the power slam, but Braun Strowman, the man of all these incredible feats of strength, could not lift up Joe to deliver this power slam and Joe left with his title. Right. Yeah. He could lift a truck, but not Samoa Joe. So Samoa Joe is, uh, the idea here is he is, um, he's bigger than an ambulance. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if like the struggle was intentional um i don't know if he was supposed to hit a power slam or not but i have to feel like maybe joe was supposed to escape anyway and it worked out better i thought uh it was good you know it's i thought it was better that braun couldn't pick joe up and that joe could just escape because it leaves you something leaves the audience with with something to look forward to and it kind of keeps joe alive in this feud if it is uh, about to happen joe versus braun Strowman could be interesting at the same time, I'm I'm not really too optimistic for Samoa Joe's chances of uh, winning that one uh, at a time when I feel like he should be winning a lot more feuds. So we shall see. The Iconics came out just as Braun was leaving and he would not shake Billy Kay or Peyton Royce's hand. Uh, another Bray Wyatt promo aired with the, uh, the creature. And then Kay and Royce are in the ring. They talked about people being fighting champions after they win titles, and that is what they will be. They are going to defend the titles anywhere against anyone, and they have found the best team they could face. With a combined record of 45-0, Kristen and Carissa, the Brooklyn Bells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Twins, I think. Uh, is that what they, they identified them as? They looked like twins, or they could just be sisters. So... Uh, Graves compared the challenger's record to Floyd Mayweather's. Uh, and then they shot a uh, page in the back watching this performance. Uh, Kristen struck, uh, struck Royce on the apron and then got knocked down by Billy Kay, who uh, lifted her up almost like the, the Dodon setup. And then Royce hit her with a knee strike to win in a minute 31. Uh, I thought the celebration afterwards was pretty hilarious from the iconics. Like they were just being so over the top with this, uh, this big victory over the Brooklyn Bells. And then Kayla interviewed Paige, who wanted to come for a closer look at the new women's tag champions and said that next week she's going to be bringing an impressive team of her own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, this, this, like, the Iconics winning 
the tag team belts, it seems like they're, you know, obviously going a lot more comedic and, and with, with it for, for now. And I'm totally cool with it. I think the Iconics are very entertaining. Um, this will be amusing for a few weeks. If it goes too long, I guess you do risk making these belts just comedy belts, the way the Raw tag team t- titles have been for such a long time. But seeing what they're doing now with Paige, it gives me optimism to really, you know, believe that this Iconics titles title win was really just a way to transition the belts from Sasha and Bailey to whoever Paige has uh, introducing next week. Who do you think? I hope it's uh, Io Shirai and Kyrie Sane. I think Paige is a great manager for those two. I think that 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 would that would be my choice. Seems to be the choice that makes the most sense. I feel like if you're if they're gonna make any if they're gonna if Paige is gonna introduce any two people as a tag team, they seem to be the obvious choice. I can't really think of anybody else within their system. Um, and certainly those two could use somebody like Paige as a as a mouthpiece. Uh, so I I I wait to see what what happens. Shane McMahon came out. He was limping from the Falls Count Anywhere match and also sporting a black eye that he would explain in the promo. He went over all that went down at WrestleMania, but he takes all the credit for the success of the show. Said the Miz is not here tonight. He's tending to his father, Mr. Miz, who gave him a black eye. And this prompted the crowd to chant, you deserve it. He called uh, Miz's dad, Mr. Potato Face, which I guess... He did potato Shane in the face. And then the crowd started a CM Punk chant and Shane, you could see him just trying to come up with a good line, but not as quick as Stephanie during these chants, because all he could come up with was please. It was fine. It worked. He said it was so much disdain. So then he brought in Greg Hamilton and He wanted Greg Hamilton to do his introduction for him. And Greg explains that he was threatened by people not to refer to Shane as the best in the world. So Shane says, you're going to say it because this is the best city in the world because I live here. And Shane starts bullying him to introduce him. So he does it. And he wants Greg Hamilton to give him the WrestleMania level of introduction he did on Sunday. And he keeps getting annoyed at Hamilton. He starts yanking him by the tie to the floor up the ramp, keeps cutting him off, saying he's not trying hard enough, and then gives him one final chance, and Greg Hamilton fucking nails it. Like, this guy's really good. And he he just holds it for as long as he can, and then there's even more CM Punk chance as Shane leaves. I thought Greg Hamilton was fantastic in this segment. Oh my god, he did, like, the best announcement of all time here. Um... I thought Shane was really good here too. I think he's been a lot of fun to watch in this heel heel run because it's been a very different Shane McMahon than we we've been used to, and I think he's been very good at it. And Greg it, Hamilton's been like a good foil for him to to kind of play off of, like to bully. I think that's kind of helped him. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. I I think Ariel Hawani would agree because they cut back to the announcers and Hawani was just in the midst of <laughs> of yelling, Shane, Shane, Shane. So. Maybe um, were they chanting Shane or Greg? I'm not sure. I think Hawani was chanting Shane. Oh, okay. The Usos versus the Hardys, SmackDown tag titles. Uh, early on, the Usos kind of had this like hiccup where it was it ended with a Samoan drop, but even Graves noted this. Like they just seemed to like not know what the other was setting up for. 
Uh, Matt got sent into the barricade. They double teamed him, went through the commercial. When we come back, uh, not only has the hot tag been made, but uh, Jeff is now in control. He hit the whisper in the wind to Jimmy. Poetry in motion, side effect. Matt gets a two count, and then Jimmy comes back with super kicks. Jay gets tagged, goes for a splash off the top, only gets a two count on Jeff. The crowd is behind the Hardys. Jeff rolls out of the way of a double oose and prompts Matt to come back. He goes for the twist of fate. It's stopped, but then he hits it on the second try to Jimmy with Jeff following with the Swanton, pins him, and they are eight-time champions, they listed. Uh, first time, though, that they have won the SmackDown version of the tag titles. So I thought a somewhat surprising uh, title switch here. Definitely. I didn't expect it. There was really kind of no build leading towards a result like this. Um I have to feel like, you know, something like this was done in place so that um, next week some something could happen to justify it. But uh, I thought the Usos were going to get a nice long run. But we're also at the point now where, mm, I don't know, if keeping the SmackDown tag team titles mm, does that much for them. Um, rather than, you know, I assume the Usos, or sorry, the Hardys will probably lose the belts to another up-and-coming tag team that might mean more. So I'm watching this. I was like, okay, well, they're putting them on the Hardys to, you know, give them something. Kayla gets into the ring to interview them. And then Lars comes out and murders these two. Hits the freak accident to Jeff. Hits his own version of the tour of the islands to Matt. And then finishes Matt with the diving headbutt. Uh, I have no issue with Lars killing some people. But, man, the tag champions together. Uh, I just thought this these wouldn't have been the targets I would have selected on this show. Yeah. I think it just shows like an overall lack of care for tag team wrestling in general on all these shows. You know, mm-hmm. when you look at up and down this particular edition of SmackDown, who the expendable one expendable people are, I mean, our truth was just there. You know, he could have taken sure. this beating. Uh even like if you wanted to, you know, poor Mustafa Ali, he already takes a beating anyway. Like I know they had the whole segment with like uh Owens uh and and Orton, but um, I suppose the Hardys to them were the next best thing, and that's what who they chose for Lars Sullivan to beat up. Like, even if the Hardys had just gone through the crowd and celebrated and left, and the Usos are still selling the effects of the loss, so then you're somewhat protecting them. Like, they've just lost this match, and Lars lays them out. I just thought, man, you just put the titles on these guys. I just, anyway, it, it kind of shows you the the tag titles and where they're positioned, and. Lars Sullivan being a a much, much higher priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they recap the women's match from WrestleMania. Uh, and then we go to Becky Lynch inside of the ring. They recap the Lacey Evans brawl on Raw. And Becky acknowledges she's holding two big targets with these titles. And she's going to be pulling double duty as long as she has these titles. And she will she will beat every last one of these challengers because she walked through hell to get these titles. And you'll have to beat the redheaded devil if you try to take them away. And then she's walking up the ramp, turns around, and there is Lacey Evans, who nails her again with the woman's right, and Becky really sold the effects of this one punch. She's staggering all over the place. They're really trying to get this this punch over as being uh, a big, big uh, finishing maneuver for Lacey Evans, and that's how the segment ended. Not a big brawl like Monday, but just the, just the punch, and... Obviously, we were, where we are heading with the first women's title program with the dual champion. I think the punch looks good. You know, she uh, can come out and, 
uh, I think it's working, or at least it, it, she's establishing that move really well by hitting Becky with the two two days in a row. Um, I think Becky's promo was decent, but I'm uh, again I'm still waiting for that like big, great promo, uh, and I haven't really had it yet. And then the main event, the New Day versus the Bar and Drew McIntyre. But before the match begins, Sami Zayn's music plays. He comes out. He teases that he's going to say something on the microphone, but then tells them that the fans are not worth it. And he just leaves. And that was all of Sami Zayn. Um, short night of work for him between this and the dark match. Yeah. Drew McIntyre hit Xavier Woods with his uh, inverted Alabama slam onto the announcer's desk. And then we go to a commercial and we come back and Drew McIntyre uh I guess had been influenced by the Invisible Man's gimmick over the weekend because he was gone from this match. Yeah, where'd he go? So someone in the crowd told me that he just left through the crowd and I don't know if he... I, I don't know what happened. Like, he... <laughs> maybe he hurt himself. May I, I don't know what happened. But apparently he just left through the crowd and he was not here for the second half of the match. He wanted to beat traffic. He wanted to catch the train. Obviously, <laughs> maybe he had uh, maybe he was really worried about that New Jersey transit story and he wasn't taking any chances. But, um, yeah, hopefully we get an update and hopefully it's not an injury or anything like that. But this was very strange and it was never referenced on commentary. It just became a three on two handicap match after the commercial. I totally forgot that he was even there by the end. Like, I, I mean, I knew he was in the match, but I, I didn't realize he had just left. I think, um, yeah, that's really strange. It was, yeah, so obviously something. Cesaro hit a high cross, um, and they were supposed to have Big E, like, reverse on top, but they kind of struggled with that. There was a double-team white noise onto Big E, and then Kofi got in, hit the big dive to the floor, tries for the trouble in paradise, and Sheamus blocks it. And then on the second try, Kofi hits it, pinning Sheamus, and Kofi celebrated with the New Day, brought his kids and his wife in, and it was just all of them celebrating in the ring with uh, Kofi as the champion. And that's how SmackDown went off the air. No, no angle, no, um, no swerve at the end. It was just kind of a feel good moment with the new day and family. Yeah. This really just felt like a house show match with no effects on any upcoming storylines. I mean, clearly in a holding pattern until next week. Anyway, um, big celebration with Kofi at the end sends the crowd home. Happy. And that was it for um, what I would call overall a pretty uneventful edition of SmackDown. Even more uneventful than the Raw uh, after WrestleMania that we saw last night. Uh, no debuts. I guess I, w I wouldn't even classify Kevin Owens as a return. Um, Paige, if you can call that a debut, although she was just here to tease a bigger announcement to come next Monday. Um, and then I would even say a lackluster Kofi celebration. Um, so I didn't get a whole lot of value from this edition of SmackDown. I guess a tag title change as well. Yeah. I was never bored with this show. It was, um, I really enjoyed that six man at the start of the show. Um, the show moved well, uh, but yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I would say even below kind of the, the standard of most SmackDowns leading into WrestleMania that this show has been, you know, pretty, pretty much, um, more hit than miss over the last two months, I would say. No Daniel Bryan either on this show. No Charlotte, no Daniel Bryan. No, uh, well, AJ Styles, we knew ahead of time, wasn't going to be on the show. But I, I think when 
that's another thing for these numbers way is that when you look at the major stars at WrestleMania and how many of them were, were not here on TV, like it was pretty staggering number. When you throw in your Hunters, your Batistas, Charlotte, Ronda, Brock, Heyman, um, yeah. probably a longer list if we if we look, go up and down uh, and take a look at it. But that's another thing is that like all these major stars and many of them not not around for TV the next two days. Yeah, I mean, even I, Ro- I Roman like- Reigns was kept off TV yesterday too. I have a feeling that maybe a lot of people are feeling burnout and or or at least like maybe these shows are more to highlight certain people that didn't get to be on TV for WrestleMania or, or previous shows. Um, maybe maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah. And really like SmackDown more so than Raw, but really just felt like a kind of a lame duck show until we get to next week. Next week are the big shows that have significant consequences for both brands moving forward. So I expect those to have much more interest than these two weeks, which were just kind of, you know, kind of your hangover shows more so than dramatic follow-ups to WrestleMania. Let's see. Maybe everyone else has a different uh, view on SmackDown. Our rating for the night, 6.13 for SmackDown. So it seems that this was a, a passable show for many. We start off with Paul from New Jersey. Although I'm from New Jersey, most of my family hails from Brooklyn. I spent many summers in the BK, and watching the Brooklyn Bells suffer their first defeat was quite shocking. The Iconics are fighting champions. I have an odd feeling Lars Sullivan isn't going to get over. SmackDown beats Raw for me this week. Jalen from Pickering. It was a fun show. SmackDown felt like a continuation of Raw in a good way with the Bar and Lacey follow-up. I'm surprised the Usos didn't turn heel based on how they worked the match. But I'll take the Hardys redoing Lesnar's debut with Lars instead. As and someone let Black and Ricochet take a night off. They've earned it. Yeah, they've been working four they've, days. They've worked a lot over the last wow. uh eight nights. Uh Adam from the Street. I watched the setup video on YouTube beforehand and still didn't know the tag belts were on the line until the Hardys picked them up. Why not give Black and Ricochet these titles if there wasn't any problem taking them off the Usos? A future match with them and the Hardys would be fun though. While I enjoyed the passion at the end, do you guys feel that Becky's promos haven't been the greatest lately? Seems to be missing something. Maybe that will change once this Lacey feud gets going. Yes, yeah, I, I I don't disagree really from way that they don't seem to have really had um, kind of this big emotion to them coming off of the win on Sunday. It's almost as though it was kind of acknowledging the title win and just kind of waiting for this next program to begin with Lacey Evans. It can be one of the problems now, now that she has the belt, because I think so many of, uh, like, much of her best work on the mic ha- came from the chase and her being fed up that she wasn't being given the things that she felt she was, she deserved. So now that she has these things, how do you s- convey that motivation? How do you stay fired up? Um, and I feel like at least this week and last week, or sorry, yesterday, even like, the, like in the run up to this, as soon as like, you know, it was clear that she was, um, pretty much going to win you know she was going to be in the main event and going to win i haven't really sensed a lot of that fire a lot of that passion in her words so hopefully with uh with a better opponent um maybe something will change uh if if lacey evans is that that opponent we shall see we go to nick from new jersey who says it was it was an average smackdown did they start the shake up early by having braun and drew on the show 
Either way, I'm looking forward to some fresh matchups. Becky Two Belts will need a stronger draw if she wants to keep those titles. I thought she oversold the punch from Lacey Evans. Do you guys see any NXT talent being part of the shakeup, or, or will it be current superstars only? I could see a few call-ups. We, we mentioned Sane and Shirai. I hope it's... Like, I would almost limit it to that. Like, maybe one other one. But you, you have so many that have recently come up. I'd rather focus on talent you have now rather than continuing to enhance this roster from a, a number. Like, there's, there's no issue with numbers. It's getting those, those people over. That's, that would be my preference rather there, than just adding more names to the mix. Is there any chance talent from NXT UK or 205 Live could be a part of this? Yeah, I don't see why not if they have an idea for someone. Yeah, and and who are there any names that you could see making that transition? I don't think that on NXT UK, beyond Pete Dunne, I don't see anyone that would be very impactful. Um, you know, I, I take that back. If if they were to put it, someone like um like a Tony Storm mm-hmm. or a Rhea Ripley, those would be my only three: Ripley, Storm, or Pete Dunne. Because to be honest, I think anyone outside of that, it would not be perceived as a really like what what are they necessarily adding if it's not someone that's going to get a big reaction as someone that people are as familiar with? I mean, they, they can ultimately do whatever. Um, so it's yeah. not like they're excluded from uh, being included next week. I'd love to see Buddy Murphy get the call up. I think he has a good enough size that he would be able to, um, you know, fit in with the main roster pretty well. Um, I, I've always said I wish like a lot of those 205 live guys could be brought up to to be a part of tag teams. But it's hard for me to think that they would give them any of those guys spots when they have so many people that are waiting on the main roster anyway. Um, Pete Dunn, I, I kind of see as, a you know, maybe too important for the success of that UK brand to be called up immediately. But I, I think he's more than ready. Same with Mustache Mountain. But again, yeah, all those guys are probably too important right now for UK. I'd like to see it for uh, six weeks from now when suddenly he comes out and he's just introduced as... Pete. Yeah. Yep. Alex writes in, Average show, better than Raw. Did not like the Iconics part. They really suck in the ring. Hopefully they take the belts off them ASAP. Hardy's match was decent. Main event didn't really have any purpose other than letting New Day dance. Becky versus Lacey seems weak. Just canceled my WWE subscription. We'll pick up around SummerSlam. Wow. Dissatisfied customer. Alex. We go to Chris from Queensland, Australia, who says, after watching over 64 hours of wrestling this WrestleMania week, I've got plenty of feedback for this week's double shot. Uh, Well, I think he means the double shot of SmackDown and 205 Live, because that's what he has feedback for. For SmackDown, he says, it was another good post-mania edition from WWE, but honestly, I'm sick of Ricochet and Black. After five matches over the past nine days, they are overexposed, and hopefully they are shaked onto one brand from Monday. Bray is beyond dead. Does anyone really care about his buzzard in a box? Lastly, so happy to have seen the Iconics win on Sunday. 15 long years of blood, sweat, and tears for one dream. Have they been wrestling for that? What? They've been wrestling for that long? Um, the Iconics? Yeah. No, they haven't been wrestling that long. Maybe he means combined. I'm not sure. Uh, I was also told that the advertised dark match will be Zayn and Owens. Yep. And then for 205 Live, he says the commentators were also talking about how 205 Live will also be part of the shakeup next week. Okay, there you go. 
Uh, Humberto Carrillo defeated Gentleman Jack Gallagher via DQ after Drew Gulak pushed Humberto off the top rope. A WrestleMania rematch, Tony Nese versus Buddy Murphy for the Cruiserweight title with referee Charles Mar- Robinson. At one stage, Buddy was playing possum with a knee injury, which got him a near fall. Towards the end of the match, Nice, nice kicked out of Murphy's Law for the first time since Buddy was champion. Nice hits two running knees and gets the win. So, wow, 30 minutes and chance of 205 live. So, I mean, yeah, to me, like, Buddy Murphy has no more to accomplish on that brand. Call this dude up. He's in a similar position as, as Pete Dunne, you know, who has had the, the really long title reign ending this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy Kay has been actually debuted in 2007. So you're looking at 12 years. Uh, Peyton Royce, 10 years. Wow. Okay. Anyway. Um, is that it for feedback? Do we have any more? I think we have one more here. Let me. I think that's it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for not just your feedback tonight, but all this past number of shows that we have done. Uh, that is going to conclude all of our coverage of uh, WrestleMania week slash weekend. And now it's time for us to have a 24-hour break. But fear not, we will be back Wednesday night if you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe with the Double Shot special Wednesday night release. Lots of stuff that we will ch- be chatting about on that show. And do go on over. Store.postwrestling.com. You can get one of the limited edition Post Wrestling Live in New York shirts that Way was mentioning. And you can also take a look at some of the other items, including... The snapback hat. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. Which um, a lot of people asked me um, if we were selling on Sunday. Unfortunately, we couldn't. We just couldn't order so many things because we don't live there. And therefore, we couldn't really bring too much back. So, um, but they're all up in the store. All right. Thanks to everybody for listening. And we'll speak with you on Wednesday night.